Don't get lost in the vast expanse of the internet? Try Ventoff SEO Manager instead, the Shopify app that store owners use to optimize their search engine results. Ventoff SEO Manager is your SEO toolkit. You'll be king of the hill, top of the heap, cream of the crop, so why settle for page 10? Simply put, SEO Manager allows you to change the way search engines see and list your store. Better search rankings means more customers, which means more money for you. Try Ventoff SEO today and get found. Just search SEO Manager in the Shopify App Store to get started. Ah, the dream of entrepreneurship. There are two starting points. Start a company or acquire one. On our show today, we're discussing the latter. Our guest acquired a business, grew it from a modest $90,000 in sales to $2 million, and created a new product category in the process, luxury flasks. Today, we're joined by the CEO of Jacob Bromwell, Sean Bondawat. So the brand is Jacob Bromwell. The guest is Sean Bondawat. They're the world's leading designer and manufacturer of luxury flasks and kitchenware established all the way back in 1819. That's what we're going to hear about today. I want to dive into that story. We're going to hear uh, about the acquisition, about growing it, about creating a category, and uh, which, of course, is, is my favorite flask among the many they sell. This is the unofficial Shopify podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Elster. Tech nasty. And today, we're talking millions of dollars in flasks. Sean, welcome. Kurt, thank you. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, okay, so you had emailed me, uh, and we talked about your store, and you're like, oh, maybe you can help me with it. And I was like, no, it's too good. I really, really love it. Oh my gosh, don't mess with it. <laughs> I believe was my professional advice to you. Uh, and for my trouble, you were very kind. You sent me, uh, a few of these flasks and I was like, why these are, they're not kidding. This really is a, a, a premium product. You, you open it and it's heavy and like, you just know immediately based on the heft that this is a quality product. Like I need, I want to have to reinforce products for the things I buy or reinforce pockets for the products I buy. Just give me like, weight it down. That's what I want. But okay. In your own words, what do you sell and how many of these darn things are you selling? Yeah, so we sell luxury flasks and uh, thousands and thousands of units a year. And so when you say luxury flask, let's put a price on premium luxury. What does this flask cost? Well, let me let me put it this way. Before Jacob Bromwell, a flask was kind of a trinket product that you would find at a, a souvenir shop or a discount store like a Walmart or something. And you'd, you'd probably pay 10 or $15 for it. Um, our flasks are hundreds of dollars. Usually, you know, Whoa. yeah. So around two to $300 is sort of our sweet, uh, sweet spot. That is quite the flask. And so the, are people buying these for themselves? Is this a gift item? Is this like a corporate gift? Groomsmen, like when are we seeing this? All thing of the above, all of the above. Yeah. So for themselves, uh, for, you know, loved ones, family and friends, groomsmen, uh, wedding season is really big for us. So yeah. And so we, did this company, but you don't you wait, 
you don't just sell only flasks. You've got other stuff too, right? Correct. Yeah. So we um, we have a, a heritage line of kitchenware and bakeware that the company has produced for over 200 years. Um, but flasks have really taken off and comprise the majority of our revenue today. And so you, this is a heritage brand. It's 200 years old at this point. And they've been selling the whole time they were selling uh, kitchen goods. And you sell the same stuff today, right? It's like cheese graters and flour sifters. Yep. My mother making baked goods is, in my childhood, it was the same flour sifter it that was. you sent me. And it's like yes. the same cheese grater. And it's interesting that like these products really fundamentally have not changed and work just as well. But all right, so that's what the brand sold. When did you, it, clearly, I, I'm assuming that you were not around in 1819. Correct, correct, yes. When did you acquire it? Yeah, great question. And um, first of all, let me just say again, I am not Jacob, I'm Sean. Jacob Bromwell is a, a man who is now deceased, but um, he started this business 203 years ago. And um, my journey with the company started back in 2010. I was a senior at USC. I was in the business school there, part of the entrepreneur program, and specifically was looking for a company that I could acquire after I graduated from college. And so, uh, you know, my senior year at USC, I was on the hunt to find a small business that I could acquire, something with some revenue, some traction, something that I could, I could grow and build. And so, uh, you know, I spoke with, you know, business brokers and, and different types of people to come across a bunch of different deals. And I came across this tiny little company called, at the time, Bromwell Housewares, which back then was a 190-year-old brand. And it was just the definition of, of a turnaround company, Kurt. It was everything that you could possibly think of that was wrong with this company was wrong, <laughs> which I loved and I was super attracted to because, you know, more problems equals more opportunities, right? So, Oh, that's such a good line. You're a 22, 23-year-old kid you are graduating with the confidence of a young adult white man with a business degree. That's like 10 out of 10 confidence level. It, yes. And you have not done this before. This is all new to you. No, I'm, I'm, you know, look, I'm, I'm spending my final semester at USC. I'm crafting a business plan that outlined how I was going to take over the company, how I was going to turn it around, what that process really entailed. And, and that business plan earned a top undergrad business plan award for that year, which was, you know, a nice little ego boost, I, I suppose, for someone that's just about to graduate um, and take on such a big endeavor. The one thing that's missing here, and I, I, I this is all very familiar to me because I went through exactly this right down to the business plan, though I did not get any awards for it. And my business plans went nowhere initially. <laughs> I had a lot of uh, false starts. So inexperience is to your advantage here. You're naive. There is a lot. Sometimes there's advantage in not knowing what you don't know because it makes it easier to dive in. And then once you're already in, it, it becomes trial by fire. And so you're lo actively looking for businesses to buy. This one you found because like heritage brand and it from the outside looking in becomes obvious to you. This is, I could take this and turn it around based on like, these are the issues with it. Do you recall what like the, the, the top couple issues were? Where you're like, okay, for sure, this is what they're they're not doing or they're doing wrong, and this is how I'm going to fix it. Yeah. So when I acquired the company, Kurt, it was basically a bankrupt company, and 
the previous owners were injecting cash from their other businesses that were profitable to keep this business from sinking. But in reality, it was it was a sinking ship on its own. So this is a liability. Oh, totally. I mean, just just to give you an idea of how bad things were, sales at the time I took it over were just shy of ninety thousand dollars, which a year, which is nothing. And the company's fixed costs were five times that. Oh boy. Yeah. So it was it was a really dire situation, and and one of the things contributing to that dire situation was this massive thirty thousand square foot factory that the company was operating in Michigan City, Indiana, which is I think just not too far from you. And, no, not at all. Yeah, and it you know it it made sense in the 1920s and the 1930s. Bromwell was a, a massive manufacturing company and one of the biggest of its kind in the country, and they were pumping out millions and millions of units. But at the sales volume the company had in 2010, it was just a major loss, and I, I had to stop the bleeding. And so I went out there. I spent two months, you know, young kid, fresh out of school, uh, zero manufacturing knowledge, and and frankly, zero work experience. And I had to lay off about a dozen or so people. And, and in some cases, these are people that that worked there their entire lives. You know, all they've ever known was Bromwell. So it was it was really tough. How did you deal with it? Um, you know, as courageously as I could. You know, I I had to shut the facility down. I had to sort through and move out all the inventory, which was a mess. Some of it was finished. Some of it wasn't. Uh, tooling, machinery, and you know, essentially, like I said, I had to stop the bleeding because that was that was really one of the biggest costs the company had. Just uh, hindsight being twenty twenty, this sounds like when you look back at this, does it feel like that episode of The Simpsons where Bart buys a rundown factory for a dollar? Yeah, totally. Yeah, where you like weren't there's no way you could have known what you were signing up for. No, there was no way. There was no way. I mean, when you're writing a business plan and you're in college and everything is is roses, I mean, you think you think it's going to be a lot easier than it really is, you know? So what was the uh, thing that surprised you? I think just like how t- that was the first reality check. I, I think when, you know, when I got there and I realized just how bad of a situation that that plant was in, um, it really hit me. I was like, you know, this is, this is, this is major. So, so, <clears throat> but you know, Kurt, it, it had to be done. And, and once the factory wasn't in operation anymore, I spent, the next year farming out all that manufacturing that we were previously doing in house to different third third party contract manufacturers uh keeping it mostly in the midwest and you know that again on in a business plan it makes a whole lot more sense but in reality it's it's a lot harder than than it seems because we're dealing with old tools old dyes old machines in some cases machines that predate the civil war whoa i kid, I kid you not yeah um, pre-electricity. So it took, it took a lot of time to find out who the right manufacturing partners are going to be for us. And, and also, frankly, who's really interested in doing the work because it's, you know, a lot of companies just looked at this and saw nothing but a headache, you know, frankly. What scared them about it? That it was like esoteric and weird? I mean, well, it's 200 year old manufacturing technology and product design. Certainly yeah. modern day manufacturers can do it, but it sounds like they were you know, uh, giving you the cold shoulder or like, here's our go away price. Pretty much. Uh, I, I got the go away price more so than, I mean, I got ridiculous prices just, just to get me to go away, you know? Um, but I think what spooked them is just the, the quality of, of the tools and the dies and the machines. I mean, they were, they were pretty bad. They were beat and they were old and 
they don't, in a lot of cases, they didn't even know how to replicate something like that today. Hmm. So, and so what did you end up doing? You found somebody who was willing, it was like, Hey, this sounds like an interesting challenge. We could do this. We did. Yeah. So we found, we found partners. It took a long time, but we found some great partners. Uh, two of them are in Indiana currently. And, um, and they make the parts for us on a contract basis and, and it's going really well. It just took a long time to get there. Where does this get us to in our timeline? You acquire it in 2020, 2010, you acquire it in 2010 and then shut down this, what sounds like an aging and dilapidated factory, find through no small effort, a new, new manufacturing partners to continue to build the existing products. Where are we now? What year is it? So 2010 acquired it. 20, 2011, I really got the keys to really start operating the new company. Um, cause I remember it was an asset purchase agreement and, uh, 2012, 2013. And was those, those years were really all about trying to get the company back on track, bringing it back to its roots, getting it healthy again, getting new manufacturing partners. Um, 2014 was really the breakthrough year of the copper flask. Okay. And so previously you're, you're selling the original products, these house, these home goods, like kitchen stuff. Did the business come with a website? Did they sell online? How they were, were they? Yeah. You know, they were, they were selling on Yahoo store. Um, oh, I'm sure you, oh dear. I know. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. They were, uh, one of the first, you know, I, I, I do commend them though. Cause they were back, they were online in like 1994 or something on Yahoo. So sort of a pioneer in e-commerce, I guess you could say, but, um, but, you know, Shopify at the time really hadn't taken off and I'd heard of it, but we were on Magento for those first three or four years, which don't even get me started. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, but we, shwipped, we sh- uh, switched over to Shopify in 2016, and that was one of the best best things we ever did. And so we started with, so they were selling online. And is any, did you have wholesale partners when it was any of this in retail? Yeah. So at at the time, Bromwell, you know, really, they didn't sell a meaningful amount of revenue on their on their e-commerce store. Most of the revenue came from wholesale accounts. Yeah. And so then you know enough to get it off Yahoo stores and build a better website. And so you go at the time to Magento and that doesn't that lasts a few years and we moved to Shopify and you've got currently you've got this really cool custom theme. Was, did you start with that or was that a later build? No, we did. We started with that. Yep. Okay. And when you do that custom theme, was there a, a reband, rebrand project that went along with it? I mean, it was really built from the ground up. Um, and we have a just a, a fantastic team that works with us that really helped us, you know, make that happen. But yeah, it was it was a custom theme from the from the beginning. So tell me about your hero product, like the one thing that is outselling everything else. So it's the copper flask and, and it's a really interesting story. Um, so I'm two years into the business or about a year or so into the business. And one of the, one of Bromwell's customer groups at the time was historical reenactors. Uh, these are guys that like reenact the civil war. Okay. And they're, yeah, they're buying these tin cups from Bromwell every year. And so, you know, they're buying like a couple hundred at a time. So I got them on the phone because I wanted to find out who they were, right? Who they are and why they're buying. And so, oh, that's such that is like the brilliant, in, the brilliant, easy insight that everybody overlooks. Is if you have an interesting customer, 
ask them about themselves. Yes. And here you've got this really interesting customer. And so you called them up and asked. What Super happens? interesting. I didn't even know people reenacted the Civil War. I had no idea. Um, but so I get them on the phone. They tell me all about it. And they, of course, they love talking about it. And they give me the names of a few different coppersmiths and tinsmiths in the New England area that they buy other products uh, from. And if you're a Civil War reenactor, like for sure you are absolutely into authenticity. Correct. It's all about authenticity um, and, and being historically correct. So I got in touch with those tinsmiths and coppersmiths. I got c- copies of their catalogs and... I was just blown away at some how cool some of this stuff was. They were like period accurate, like blankets and frying pans and these little like cutlery sets made out of wood and all kinds of stuff and just stuff you wouldn't find in mainstream retail. And uh, we we thought it would be interesting to plug them into the Jacob Rommel brand and see how they sell. So we did, and we began you know marketing them, photographing them. How many did you them, start with? Just like a dozen or so at a time, just to kind of test demand and see how they did and, and nothing was like a home run but we like a had, dozen varieties or a dozen total units to see if they move because they're expensive they are yeah like a dozen varieties you know okay. and a few different you know two to three units maybe at a time um and we figured hey worst case they don't sell we'll just keep them you know you know and like i said they weren't home runs but we had some moderate success with some of those products but then we came across a really cool item and it was a copper water canteen at least that's what they called it. They called it a copper water canteen. I, I saw it as a copper flask immediately. Okay. But it's like a slightly different shape. It is, you know, it is the model one flask that we sell today. Oh, um, yeah, exactly the same product. So I just, I fell in love with the unit. I just had an, I had an inkling that it was going to sell really well. So we, we bought a dozen. I'll never forget. We bought a dozen units to start. We brought them in, photographed them, marketed it as a copper flask, not as a, not as a water canteen. And we just couldn't keep it in stock. And we kept ordering more and more and more. And eventually the copper smiths just couldn't keep up with how many units we needed, you know, because these are just guys making these in their garage, you know, by hand. So it just, there were limits to how many units they could, they could move. Ah! Oh, I'm so tired of losing revenue to abandoned carts and lapsed audiences. Mm. Hey, did you know anonymous shoppers who visit your store can't receive abandoned cart emails from Shopify? <gasps> Pop quiz, my friends. What do Warby Parker, Dr. Squatch, and Blendjet all have in common? They all turn to retention.com to maximize their growth and reclaim that lost revenue. It's money falling from the sky. And if you're not doing it, you're just leaving money on the table. With retention.com's reclaim solution, you can leverage industry-leading identity resolution technology to increase your SMS and email flow revenue by up to 10 times. Tonal, we 10x in our list, okay? Like 10x. Onboarding is quick and easy, and implementation takes just hours, not months. Don't miss out on this amazing opportunity to grow your Shopify store and reclaim lost revenue. Visit retention.com to learn more and schedule your demo today. Retention.com. One group of customers is ordering an overwhelming number of one unusual product. You say, I got to hear about this. You call them up, discover the world of Civil War reenactors, which leads you to people who make are making authentic, what, what we would refer to as flasks today, out of copper. You start selling those. It does, it's not amazing. It does well enough for you to keep going. 
and you just keep going through it until you stumble on one particular design that people go nuts for? People went, yeah, the model, the model one, which we called the great American for many years. Um, we just recently got renamed, but that product, that product really kicked off the company. You know, like I said, we couldn't keep it in stock and we had reliability issues with lead times and, and these coppersmiths just, it wasn't working and we needed, eventually we just needed to find a new source. And so we did, we found a company in Vermont that specialized in making copper roofs and we asked them to fabricate this for us. And, and so they did. And so they, they make two things, copper roofs and your flasks. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. So I, I give them a call. Uh, I cold call these guys and I'm just like, Hey, are, are you guys interested in making a, like a durable copper product for us? And they're like, sure. I mean, we, we don't do that, but go ahead and send us a sample. So I sent them a sample. A week goes by, I get a package back and the samples inside of it. And I, I call them and I'm like, Hey, why did you send this back? And he said, that's not yours. That's ours. That's the one we made for you. <laughs> that's great. I couldn't tell the difference. It was identical, Kurt. Hmm. It was truly identical. Yeah, you get a manufacturing sample like that. And so you're like, okay, what's my per unit cost here? Yep. So we went all in at that point. We did a thousand unit run. This was um, a big deal for us at the time because it was like $40 a unit. So it's a $40,000, you know, production run. And to raise the cash that we needed, we liquidated um, a bunch of inventory from the old Bromwell housewares that we had in stock that just really wasn't moving well. So we raised the cash, reinvested in the flask, and uh, so you had a clearance sale to get the money for the inventory. It's a combination of clearance sale and just like you know liquidation companies that just bought it for pennies on the dollar. Oh, okay. So like really, yeah, really threw it out the door. Yep, and uh, just went all in. And and I'll, I will tell you, it was not, it was far from a perfect product, but you know what, we got it to market. And like you say, you know, it's better to do something imperfectly than, than not to do it at all, you know? All right. So we've got, like at this point, we have now stumbled on a really killer product that is, is selling well, that is different, that you're able uh, to get manufactured in the U.S. for a reasonable cost. And it's still, so we've got great margins on this thing. How does anyone hear about it? So the initial runs a thousand of them. Like, okay, that's not, does it sound like that it would be that hard to sell through? But at the same time, no one is, no one knows to shop for this kind of product yet. Like there is a danger in being the first of anything because no one knows to look for it. Correct. Correct. And so this is, so we have these thousand flasks and we are not even on Shopify at this point. We're not a D2C brand at this point. You know, we're doing some e-commerce sales, but the majority of our revenue is still wholesale. You know, selling to catalog companies, selling to mom and pop retail, selling to you know, other types of specialty stores. And so we contacted all of them with this new, exciting new product from Jacob Bromwell. And we actually had a lot of success selling for the first few years, selling that product uh, in retail. So even companies like Nordstrom uh, on the high, you know, on the, on the largest end and then small mom and pop stores and everything in between. I and mean, we had hundreds and hundreds of accounts that, that carried the product. Do, they, do you still sell it? In retail via wholesale? We are now a strictly a direct-to-consumer brand, and so we we do not sell wholesale anymore. Oh, so the the balance has really, really changed here, because initially it's like selling wholesale retail, and yeah, you have an online presence, but that's not the, the primary focus, to 100% all-in on direct-to-consumer selling online yourself. Correct. Okay. 
And I assume like you, you once you find the one flood, you've got like this one copper flask that works. Now, how does the catalog change? Great question. So we started with the Model 1, which we still sell today. And then we just went deeper in the category. So the next product was the Vermonter flask, which is essentially that exact same same flask, but with a screw top, which ended up outselling the Model 1 flask 2 to 1 and still does and is our best-selling SKU today. And then from there, we just added on more varieties, you know, a hammered copper flask line and now even a pure flask line and really just more line extensions of, of the same product that we found so much success in. So we went really deep in the category as opposed to going horizontal across different types of copper goods. If you're into like artisan, artisan goods, um, handcrafted things, metalwork, or you just like to be a fiddly engineer type, you know, armchair engineer, the copper cap on this thing is hefty and it's got a knurled ring on it that feels fabulous. And then it's just like threading this thing on to the top of this flask is satisfying every single time I do it. I love this thing. And it, it, I don't think it's something I necessarily would have purchased for myself, but having gotten it, I'm like, damn, I like I, I, as a gift, it's just absolutely phenomenal. And so I could see where if you're the only, really the only thing going, the only one available for a lot of people, it's like you're seeing this category of item for the first time. You either get it or you don't. But it's also, yeah, it's a new thing, but it is not complex to understand at all. It's like you understand that this this, this holds potable water. Um, it's a flask. Like it, it makes sense immediately to you. Don't have to particularly explain it beyond you know perhaps justifying the price by being like it's handmade in Vermont. Um, so from so we've got that. We expand out our catalog there. When and you, during this time you're still selling the kitchenware because like you cleared out of the stuff. Correct. Yeah. So we cleared out of the slower moving items in the kitchenware line, but we kept, um, you know, the top dozen or so SKUs that are just like, you know, nostalgic classics for us, like the, you know, the flour sifters and the cheese graters, nostalgic coppers. Classic. That's what's so Correct. brilliant about it. Like we worked with um, Rada Kitchen Store, who sells a lot of kitchen knives. And they would say, like, you know, we've got this one product that everybody really loves. It's our pairing knife. And they always framed it as like, this is, you know, this is the knife your grandma used. Like, this is the knife you remember from your childhood. You're like grandma cutting up a pear. Um, there is tremendous value placed on nostalgia because it triggers emotions. Like, we all know why we love nostalgia. It reminds us of the past in a positive way. And so if you have products that can connect people to that past and the product is authentic, like, immediately you benefit from that emotional connection and without it being sleazy in the slightest. Well said. And that's really what we're selling. We're selling American nostalgia and, and products that are are of cultural significance. You know, that's really what the brand is all about, and, whether it's a flask or a popcorn popper or, you know, whatever. And this is all because you spoke to uh, those oddballs, the, uh, <laughs> um, the Civil War reenactors. Have you attended, now that like this business has taken off like this, have you? Have you attended a Civil War reenactment? I have never, I, but I, you know, I w it'd be cool to see. Yeah, I'm somewhat ashamed to say I haven't, but I would love to. I mean, what a cool thing to do. Yeah. I had no idea that even existed. How many flasks do you sell now? On an annual basis? I, well, I meant how many, how many SKUs do you have? 
Oh, I don't know how many SKUs. I mean, we have about 30 or 35 SKUs of different flasks. So quite the variety. Quite the variety. You know, we went really deep in the category and we, you know, those flasks comprise about 70% of our total annual revenue. And then just to give you an idea of, of how, how much it's, you know, how much it overcame just the, the bakeware line. 4,002. Resolutions are hard. Try something easy instead, like growing your Shopify store with one-click upsell. Zipify one-click upsell, aka Zipify OCU, can increase your Shopify revenue 10 to 15% overnight. One-click upsell has made its users an extra 393 million in sales. It's no wonder it's trusted by over 12,000 Shopify merchants. One-click upsell helps boost your average order value with targeted upsells and cross-sells. It only takes a few minutes to install the app, launch your first upsell, and start generating 10 to 15% more revenue overnight. To make this an even happier new year, go to zipify.com slash Kurt and start your 30-day free trial at zipify.com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised gift, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. And then the other thing you sell, I don't know how well these, there's accessories for uh, the flasks. You got flask sleeves and the presentation boxes. Oh my gosh. I am giving, uh, giving to people these flasks as gifts uh, or actually, all right. So we'll rephrase that because of when this will air. Last Christmas, I gave uh, to family members these flasks as gifts in these glorious wooden presentation boxes. When do the accessory items get added into this catalog? So the accessory items got added. I want to say just a few years ago. It, it's been a relatively recent add-on for us, and they're great because you know. Their profit center for us. The margins are great, um, but you know, customers really love the boxes and and the the sleeves. You know, they're they're doing really well, especially the leather the leather sleeves particularly. So, and so like these are just obvious, perfect cross sell items. Like, hey, you know, you're spending a hundred to three hundred dollars on a flask. Did you also want you know this um, you know a funnel? It's like 70 bucks, 50 bucks, 70 bucks, 100 bucks. Um, the presentation boxes are 75 bucks. And they're really, really nice. Like the presentation box, you can't throw out. It's too nice. How do you merchandise those? So we used to bundle the, you know, for a short while, we were bundling some of the products. Like we were bundling the the sleeves with the, with the flask, or I should say the, the product boxes with the flask. But now we're, we're merchandising them all separately. So... The flask doesn't come with the box, doesn't come with the funnel, it's just the flask. And then if you want to add um, any of those accessories, you're certainly able to do that well, as an upsell or individually. Yeah, it's, I just tried it. So I, when I go to the product page, first thing I see, you have a 360 view of the product, which I think is brilliant, especially for a premium luxury good, and but specifically copper, it's shiny. And so if you have a shiny, expensive product, that 360 view just lets it be like bling, 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 like the light reflecting off it. You get those specular highlights. It's fabulous. It makes it very attractive. Um, similar with food items. This is a, a worthwhile thing to do. And the moment I added that item to cart, I got a pop-up. Hey, add an autograph funnel to your order. The perfect companion to any of our flasks. Because if you've ever Hold tried up, to so. fill a flask, good luck not getting it everywhere. You need that funnel. Yep. You need the funnel. Uh, and let's see. 
then all right, I add it to the funnel. I get I noticed we got a drawer cart and it says, hey, free shipping included. Very nice. Um, and at the bottom you've got the GovX app running. I I like the GovX app. Military, first responder, government employee, teacher discount available. Yeah. Easy way to reward people and get them um loyal, loyal to the brand. And then once I get the checkout, it's looking good. Regular, regular old Shopify checkout. All right. Uh let's see. Yeah, looking through this, I see you sounds like you have some incredible PR. Like the you know, it says um on the homepage, two hundred three year handcrafted with pride, two hundred three years old, lifetime guarantee, remarkably distinguished by the world's best. And then it rattles off all these great brands. Like like we we've got all this um this story going about heritage and we've got this social proof and the risk reversal of the lifetime guarantee, and it doesn't stop. I get to the product page, I got like this cool 360 view. And the description opens with, it's got like a tab title. It says, The Story. So you're going to sell me a, the description is a story. It all began in 1819, the world's first flask that started it all. Oh man, you really are taking like ownership stake of creating this product category. The second line is named, quote, the best copper flask by Business Insider. How do you get all this PR? And then like, okay, a amazing job kudos to you for leveraging it the way you have but how did you get it the pr came to us honestly we did not solicit any of the pr that we received and i I think the answer just boils down to us having a remarkable brand and a remarkable story to tell i mean how many how many companies can say they've they've been in business for over 200 years that they're the oldest housewares company in america and they make all these original unique you know classic products it's just you know, journalists are looking for stories and it, it just, it's a no-brainer for them. So having a clear, a very clear angle and story, like just in the same way that your copywriting hooks potential buyers, the same thing works on journalists? Apparently, yeah. So you really didn't do anything? They just kept showing up? I mean, honestly, I mean, this was this was years and years and years of, of, of coverage. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they came to us almost exclusively it's been yeah it's been really helpful i mean some of those some of those pieces that that published really added some some meaningful revenue spikes for us and really helped us out is it the same today like years ago getting featured i like met if it was the right fit it could mean serious revenue bump is that still the same case today if you get a feature it seems to be less so today okay and that's what i figured yeah, and we're getting featured less today, and I think part of that is just because we've been featured already, and it's just it's kind of an old old story now. But um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I think it is. I think it is a little less today. So, in the before times, uh, prior to twenty twenty, you were selling to retail. Now you're just all in direct to consumer yourself. When did that happen? Why do you pivot? The pandemic. That the pandemic, pandemic happened. Yep. So we had, uh, you know, prior to the pandemic, we had several big P, uh, several big POs with some pretty large retailers that got canceled immediately. And so we were stuck with all this inventory and we were, you know, kind of freaking out what to do. And so we got creative and started doing some big promotions on our website. And, uh, you know, obviously at the time Facebook was killing it and we were doing some Facebook ads and, and, it, that just whole situation opened up a whole new door for us. 
And we realized at the time that we just didn't need, we just didn't need to do, you know, wholesale distribution anymore. We could be a D2C brand and we could do very well doing it. And so, you know, as a result of the pandemic, we became a direct-to-consumer company exclusively. So you, you had the knowledge, you had the confidence, and then when these retailers just canceled the POs that took off, you're like, look, we didn't need you anyway. See ya. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really what happened. And it was, it was a blessing in disguise, really, for us. So Yeah, they're lost. Jedi scum. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, the one problem with that is how do you market this stuff, right? Because it, you know, not the pandemic starts, we direct to consumer uh, e-com booms, but then iOS 14.5 drops and suddenly Facebook ads get really hard to run. And so mm-hmm. the, the free for all and traffic was over for us uh, for the next, what, you know, 12, 18 months. How did you, how were, how do you acquire customers? What, what's the channel here that works? Where should I be trying to figure this out? Well, I will say, I mean, we do, we do everything under the sun. I mean, we do affiliate marketing, um, we do paid ads, we do social media, email, SMS. Um, but I, we found the most success with Google ads and for anyone list. Yeah. And for anyone listening that really wants to know where to start, I would say start with Google ads. Cause that's really the, where you're, I think you're going to get the most bang for your buck today. And is this like Google shopping, like product listing ads or like Ads, ads, like the, the text ads, the image ads. Both, but Google ads, actual ads. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, they, you know, I, I guess I haven't messed with it too much recently. Though we had heard, um, uh, what are the, Performance Max, PMAX, that P-Max, those campaigns yep. really w- were working very well. Um, have you messed with PMAX? Yes, and we've we found a lot of success with PMAX. Um, but it does take it does take time, you know, for Google to learn about your product, learn about your customer and, and have enough data to really, you know, start to optimize those ads. But it is, it, it, it is a very successful channel if you do it correctly. And then, so you've got that. And then plus we combine that with like, here's a whole series of other channels. And then the whole thing combined, like a, that diversifies risk, but you know, also there's, there's synergies between those things there. Um, and the, you know, eventually you end up with the, the thing we all want, which is that marketing flywheel where like it's got the momentum and one feeds the other and it just keeps going. Correct. Sweet. Uh, so, you know, this journey, you've been, you've been doing this uh, 13 years now and the brand has been around 203. What, if you had to do it over again, what would you have done differently? Oh my gosh. I mean, Kurt, I've made every mistake in the book. I think I would do a lot of things differently <laughs> if I'm being honest, but, um, well, would you, would, all right. Would you, knowing what was coming, would you do it again? Absolutely. That's unequivocal. One of the things that just keeps me going and keeps motivates me to keep doing what I'm doing, Kurt, is just seeing the impact that these products have on people's lives. Truly. I mean, our, our flasks are, are part of people's everyday carry. You know, they carry their Cuban cigar, their Zippo lighter, their Rolex Submariner, and their Jacob Rommel flask. I mean, it is it is part of who they are and what they do on a daily basis, and it's it's really cool to see that. Those people sound way cooler than me. Yeah, they're pretty cool people. I'm like, oh man, I keep mine in the garage with water in it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you also, I saw on your website, you have scotch now. We are, yeah, we are, we are wanting to uh, release our first. Um, 
scotch next year. So that's pretty exciting. You know, the, the branding, it like, I mean, I could immediately, I didn't question it in the slightest. Like the Jacob Bramwell branding feels like a brown liquor branding. Like it should be bourbon. Um, it does. Yeah. Doesn't it? And then like, obviously that's just aside from selling flasks. Then you combine that with the flasks and it's like, okay, clearly there is, um, some synergy here. I don't know. Maybe, uh, there's a, are there some brand collabs in the future? I could see some, some potential cool brand collabs here. Yeah. So we've done a few. Um, we've, we've had some success with Filson and, uh, on crate we've done a, a collab Uncrate, with and yeah. yeah. And so we're, you know, we're keeping the doors open on that, but really our, our, our main focus is just to continue kicking ass doing D to C and, and hopefully next year releasing our first, uh, scotch whiskey. Well, I certainly, I'm going to stay on your newsletter and when that, that releases, I'm all in. Um, what, uh, if people wanted to go learn more about you, where should they go? Uh, jacobrommel.com and we have a free gift for, um, your listeners, Kurt, just add discount code Kurt, K-U-R-T at checkout, and you'll get a complimentary standard funnel valued at $125. Oh my gosh. Do they have to add that item to cart? Uh, just add the discount code. Okay, Kurt, cool. K-U-R-T. Yep. Very cool. Uh, yeah, it's an oddball thing um, for sure, but it's, it's really cool. Like if it resonates with you and you're thinking about it, you'll love it. And, uh, or, you know, if you know the right person, really it phenomenal gift item sean thank you so much this has been this has been a thrill for me i've been staring at that that flask in my garage for (laughs) since this summer and enjoying it so really uh very exciting to hear the story behind it um yeah jacobbrownwell.com sean bondawat thank you so much i appreciate it thanks kurt the unofficial shopify podcast is brought to you by loop Loop is a returns management platform that makes returns profitable and stress-free for you and your shoppers. Loop offers automated returns, exchanges, and store credit options to lower costs and increase revenue. Do you want to offer at-home pickup or boxless drop-offs? Need to lower return costs or increase repeat purchases? How about all of the above? That's what's possible with Loop. Loop delivers customized returns management solutions for Shopify merchants of all sizes, like Studs, Princess Polly, Code Epoxy to turn returns into returning customers. Find out why thousands of Shopify merchants choose Loop to manage their returns at loopreturns.com. That's loopreturns.com.